I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening, guys. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Kairos. Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. We want to be the kind of people who can bring the whole gospel to the whole person anywhere, anytime with anybody. Uh, we got a couple special guests with us tonight. Uh, where are my ministers in residence? New class. Are you guys in here? Woo-hoo! We got to stand up so we can just say hi and acknowledge you. We're so glad you guys are here. You guys have a seat. I won't make you stand uh, laboriously. I know it's probably been a long day. We're so excited you guys are on track in the Brentwood ecosystem of churches and campuses. They will be getting equipped, trained, and released to further the kingdom of God as ministers of God. And we get Alex and Lauren with us in Kairos this upcoming residential year, so we're really excited about that. They've already been serving as Bible reading group leaders, and we can't wait to see what God is going to release in and through you. Uh, If you guys want more information on the residency program, just stop by the info bar. We really appreciate that this church is a place that continues to raise up, recognize, and equip men and women for gospel ministry. And so know that we're praying for you, that God's power and presence would go with you this year, uh, and that you would know him in a substantial and profound way because of your commitment to serve. So thank you, guys. Um, I have a favorite director when it comes to movies. Uh, I love movies. I don't get to go to them very much because they're expensive to have kids and I have to throw in a lot of bargaining chips to leave the house to go see a movie by myself, which I'm not above. Um, It's actually Sabbath joy for me to do that. Um, But there's one out that I haven't seen yet. It's Dunkirk. Have you guys seen it? Any good? My favorite director directed that. It's Christopher Nolan. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of his work. I, I knew him when he first did an independent film years and years ago, but he's done Inception, Interstellar, Dark Knight, and Dunkirk, okay? He has a trademark style that I love. He begins every film telling a story with a scene that he drops you smack dab in the middle of. They've called him a cerebral and nonlinear storyteller. I don't know what that means, but I love it. And you feel free to say it about me. (laughs) But he'll drop you in this scene and it's obviously dramatic and climactic and you really don't have any context clues for what's going on. And it usually lasts about two minutes and then boom, he'll start at the beginning and tell the story and he works his entire movie up to where you see that scene again and it finally makes sense. And I love the mystery and the drama that surrounds that. So with your permission, I'm going to try my best Christopher Nolan for our opening illustration. Is that okay? I'm in college. My buddy is sitting on the bathroom floor. He's bleeding profusely from a five-inch gash in his right shoulder. He's turning white. And he looks up at me and he says, Brooks, what made you think this was ever a good idea? (laughs) Now let me back up and tell you how we got there. About six months earlier, we're sitting around in our off-campus apartment, um, which is ghetto fabulous. Um, And we're pondering the existential crisis of the human soul and why it's wired for beauty and adventure and glory with God, or we're just bored. Either way, you pick. Um, And my buddy Reikley is sitting, tossing up a baseball like this. And when I get bored, sometimes I get stupid. It used to, I've worked through this. Um, But I just look at him and I go, Hey, Reikley, 
throw that baseball as hard as you can at that mirror. <laughs> and he kind of looks back, he gives me that sideways smirk where I know I've got a chance here. Two of my other roommates who are actually the conservative smart ones are like, don't do it. That's the dumbest idea we've ever heard, Brooks, right? And so then I know I can manipulate him with an irrational task and call his masculinity and bravery into question with this simple junior high phrase that we use countless times throughout our college career to make stupid mistakes. You won't. You're scared. <laughs> Ball goes flying, mirror goes shattering in totality. You just needed to hear that word one more time, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I know, you're welcome. It is now complete. You can die without ever hearing it again. <laughs> Back to the story. So the mirror shatters. Me and Reckley start laughing. Our roommates start yelling at us, but then they start laughing because it's just the dumbest thing you've ever seen. And then um, me, I'm always convinced that there's at least three more laughs or three more jokes behind the initial joke. And so they're like, Brooks, you're cleaning that up. I'm like, oh, Reckley threw it. I'm not cleaning up. You told me to, right? And I'm like, I'll clean it up. And I start just kicking all the shards underneath the couch. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I ain't got to worry about it. I'm not going to see it. And it's no big deal. So they, we start laughing about that. And then within about a minute, I have them convinced, assembled and mobilized into a creative project where we've broken out some super glue and we're taking all these shards of broken mirrors and we're assembling them in a mosaic in our hallway. I've convinced them that this is the height of creativity and artistry because they're all dumb athletes. <laughs> and I was the only creative nerd in their midst. So they had to take my word for it. And so we, we put it all together in this mosaic and we think it looks so cool. And we're like, step off, Chip and Joanna Gaines, we got this now. We start breaking other mirrors in the place and assembling this huge artsy fartsy collage. Everyone gets to do their own image or mosaic. It's abstract or it's real or it's a soccer ball. Thanks, still an athlete. And so we finally get it and we're really proud of this thing. Like when girls would happen to come over to our apartment, like that's the first thing we showed them. Like, hey, check it out. We're so creative. <laughs> and it was awesome for a couple of months. We really thought we were onto something there until there were some unforeseen consequences that happened. You would be walking by the hallway and the square footage in this Roach Motel was not, uh, uh, I wish I could, I, I should have brought a picture of Mango Prom. It was not, not good. So you would walk by and it would snag a piece of your clothes and tear it a little bit. Or if you walk by and brushed your arm just like this, you would get like just a little fine cut and it would bleed a little bit. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Those are broken pieces of mirrors glued to the wall um, <laughs> that we're calling art and creativity. I try to tell them, don't worry about it. Now it's performance art, dude. Okay, you're gonna remember it for all time. Until one night when we're horsing around, bored as we usually are. And I wind up in a wrestling match with my buddy, Alan Kirkland, and he turns to walk away and I launch him as hard as I can, not remembering straight into the mirror collage. Gashes open, his right arm staggers to the bathroom, is trying to stop the bleeding. He's turning white from losing blood and looks up at me and says, Brooks, whatever made you think this was a good idea? <laughs> Well, it was, Alan. I'm sorry. I would need it for this moment in the future. You just wouldn't know it yet. That's a little inception. <laughs> I 
I'll come back to that and I want you to remember that story, but would you guys permit me to taunt you a little bit tonight? You won't trust God with your brokenness. You're scared. You won't actually confront, name, and acknowledge, and then commit into the hands of a loving God the broken pieces of your life. You won't. You're scared. And if you're scared, and if you have broken pieces in your life, then you've come on the right night. Because our text in Psalm 31 is going to speak right to that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 31. Let's read verse 6 through 14. We're going to continue our series, Into Your Hands. And last week, we decided, into your hands, we're going to commit our spirit to God. Now, in this section, we're going to find out that into your hands, we can commit our brokenness. As you're turning there, let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Verse 6. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. My bones grow weak because all my enemies. I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I'm a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of memory. There's terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Broken pottery. How many of you remember chapters in your life where you felt like broken pottery? How many of you know what it's like to cry out with the psalmist? My eyes grow weak with anguish. My bones are turning into dust. Listen to the litany of things that he's talking about. My soul and body with grief, life consumed by anguish, years by groaning. I'm dread to my friends. I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I love the fact that the Bible and especially the Psalms don't shy away from the sufferings and the trouble that we experience here in this life. In fact, they teach us how to pray in the midst and through those moments. It's God's perfect will that all of us as his children would live in perfect peace with him. The Hebrew word for that is shalom. Do you remember where you were when your shalom was first shattered? Are you in a chapter like that in your life right now? Where you feel like God's peace has been shattered in your life? 
and there's nothing but broken pieces all the way around and you're really not sure what to do with them. Be merciful to me, God, for I am in distress. I love this, that finally the conclusion that he arrives at in verse 14 is, but I trust in you, O Lord. The reason he can do that in verse 14 is because in verse nine, he's cried out, be merciful to me, O God, I am in distress. And the reason he can cry out, be merciful to me, God, I am distressed in verse nine is because he came through verse seven, which says this, I will be glad and rejoice in your steadfast love. Why? Because you have seen my affliction. Interesting. He has a history here with God. He has a tenacious trust. He has a consistent confession, which leads to a liberating profession. But I will trust in you. You are my God. It has to work that way through. God's given him a chance to prove himself. Every time he's put his brokenness and his anguish and his anxiety in his hands, God has proven himself faithful and loving. And so one of the things that you guys need to hear tonight is that God sees your anguish. He will sustain you in the midst of your anger and he can and he will satisfy you with his steadfast love. But sometimes we got to work through verse seven to get to verse nine to get to verse 14. But a lot of us won't, will we? We'll listen to a song and we'll sing it and make us feel a little bit better, but we'll walk out of here and we'll make no changes in our life. Our brokenness will go unnamed and unnoticed by others and more devastatingly by ourselves. We don't want to pray or practice into your hands, Lord, I commit my brokenness. And I would say most of the reason that a lot of you in here tonight may not decide to trust the Lord with your brokenness is simply this, you're not bleeding enough yet. You've got other strategies that you've been using and that you'll continue to use that will work for a short time. They'll help you survive, but in the long term, they're gonna threaten your thriving. And so here's some things that I've noticed in in my life and in people I talk to in their life that kind of correlate to what happened in this opening illustration that I told you. Here's, here's some reason why we don't commit our brokenness into the hands of a loving God. One, we just learn how to hide it. We decide, you know what? Let me just kick that under there. If no one saw that and no one's gonna find it until later, who cares if it hurts me or if it hurts somebody else? Right now, I just wanna make sure it's out of sight. The only problem with that is you're gonna get to a place in your story where you're not gonna know who you are, and more importantly, you're not gonna know why you are the way you are until you go back up and dig up some of those broken pieces that you've been trying to hide. Another reason we don't wanna say, into your hands, Lord, I commit my brokenness. We don't wanna say, but I trust in you, you are my God, is because we've learned to laugh at it, right? That's a little bit easier. <laughs> oh my gosh, you see what I'm struggling with? That's so ridiculous. I can't hide it now, so let's just let's turn it around and let's start laughing at it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm that way. Isn't that funny? I know it's outrageously offensive and I know it's from a place of brokenness and deep shame, but I'm not gonna touch it with 10 foot pole. So let's all just agree that whenever my brokenness comes up, we laugh at it because that's an unwritten contract that I'm not gonna take it seriously and you're not gonna hold me accountable to change. So we hide it, we laugh at it. 
And some of us, and you're the ones that I'm most concerned about, you learn to rearrange it. You learn to pick up your broken pieces, you acknowledge it, you don't hide it, you don't laugh at it, but you put it into a different picture so that you don't have to deal with the original consequences that caused it. And I would say, some of your brokenness is on prominent display in public places and you're actually affirmed for it. You've got some brokenness that makes you strive to be the best student, the best volunteer, or the best employee. You've got some tactics and some strategies that you learned way back then. If you don't do this, you'll not be loved, accepted, or valued. And somewhere along the way, those things became your identity and you really don't know what it's like to be a child of God who's loved and valued for who they are, not what they do. And a lot of you are just gonna find another project to get busy with so you don't have to deal with the brokenness that you're currently experiencing. Why in the world would I ever sit back and rest and be involved in community? I don't wanna deal with this. But what would it look like if we decided rather than to hide the hurt, to laugh it off, we would decide to lament. And instead of rearranging, we would actually ask God to redeem the portrait that we have placed with our lives in his hands and say, into your hands, Lord. I commit my brokenness. I've committed my spirit, but there's still areas in my life that I've been unwilling to visit. Chapters, behaviors, coping mechanisms that I have just hid or laughed off or rearranged or made excuses for. But tonight I wanna to take a step towards you. What would it look like if piece by piece we picked up the jagged edges of our brokenness and placed it in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus? The reason you can trust God with this, I know it's scary. I know it's difficult. I've done it plenty of times in my life. Um, I wouldn't say it gets easier, uh, but you learn how to get out in front of it rather than hide and wait until you're on a bathroom floor going lightheaded and bleeding out. The reason you can trust God is he did it for Jesus. Verses nine through 13, most all of those verses that we read could use to be described what Jesus was going through on the cross. And Jesus committed his spirit and his broken body into the hands of the living and loving God. And on top of his broken body, he took our brokenness. But thanks be to God, resurrection power catapulted him from the grave with passion and purpose emanating in and through him. If he did it for his son, he can do it for you. Because you've been crucified with Christ, child of God. You no longer live. It's Christ that lives in you and through you. And so the life you live now, you live by faith in the son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you and your brokenness, especially your brokenness. What would it look like for you tonight to confront it for the first time or the 49th time? And rather than hiding from the hurt or laughing off the lament or rearranging it, put it into the redeeming hands of God. Honestly and honorably confront it, confess it, and commit it into the hands of God. 
After all, it's Ernest Hemingway, right? He echoes this gospel notion, although he may not have been aware of it. He said, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong in the broken places. Where we experienced our brokenness, our shalom shattered, if we expose it to the healing hands of God, it actually turns back around, and God uses it for the healing of the world. What Satan intended for evil, God will turn for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. So if you find courage tonight to commit your hands, commit your brokenness into the hands of a tender and tenacious God who's dead set on your healing and wholeness, I think you're gonna find the glittering gold of the gospel ready and waiting to transform your brokenness into beauty. And perhaps the best picture I can give you of this is the Japanese art called kintsugi. It's an art where it takes broken china and rather than hide or discard the broken pieces, it actually honors them as an opportunity to exemplify beauty. In this art form, the thought is simply this. They do not regard beauty as flawless perfection, but rather beauty is in the history and the mending and the reconciliation of the broken pieces and the imperfections put on proud display. So instead, when your china cup breaks, you disregard it and throw away and get something else. They take powdered gold and mix it into the lacquer and paint all down the cracks. And a broken cup with that gold is actually more valuable and more revered because of its history and because of its beauty. Do you think the same could be said for our souls in this room tonight? I don't know about you, but I have a dream that there are broken men and women in this room who are also shimmering and shining with gold. Because they decided tonight and every day after today that they were going to fearlessly and faithfully commit into the hands of the living and loving God their brokenness and discover that it truly is true that the glittering gold of the gospel can transform our brokenness into a beauty beyond our wildest expectations. Will you permit me one more Christopher Nolan moment? Before we close, Revelation, let me drop you into a scene that our story is going to work towards. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Isn't that right, Audrey Brooks? No more chaos. That's what the sea represents. I saw a holy city coming down, a new Jerusalem, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will be their God, and they will be his people, and he will wipe every tear from their eye, because there's going to be no more weeping, or crying, or pain, or death, because the old order of things has passed away. And then a voice from the throne came saying, behold, I'm making all things new. Amen. Maybe, just maybe. We'll no longer have need 
for those gold seams in our souls when we get to heaven, which is why the streets are made out of gold. But until then, is it possible for you and I to become the type of people who say, into your hands, Lord, I commit my brokenness. Amen? So let's listen to the Lord. We'll take 120 seconds. We like to have a prayer reflection exercise where we try to see what had our name on it tonight. Here's what I would uh, prompt you guys through. When it comes to your brokenness right now, are you hiding it? Are you laughing at it? Or are you rearranging it? Or are you in a place where you can honestly say, I'm doing everything in my power and I've put it in the hands of the living and loving God, but I'm just tired of waiting for healing? Where are you in those four options? Maybe you're at different places with different brokenness. But just acknowledge that to God. Honestly and honorably confront it. Confess it. And then if you be so bold, maybe just say, into your hands, Lord, I commit and name the brokenness. This is the moment we came for. We didn't come just to talk about God, we came to encounter him. So listen in and lean in. And then here's what I'd like to do if it's helpful for you. We're gonna stand and sing in just a second. And I, I want these words to facilitate your prayers and your worship, especially if there's someone else's brokenness who you just need to commit into the hands of God tonight. Let it rip. But for those of you who the smallest step of obedience to start to commit your brokenness into the hands of a loving God would simply be just to have someone pray for you. Our prayer walls are open. If you just want to write down a tag and commit a certain brokenness into the hands of God. And then I'm going to ask our prayer counselors to go stand back by the prayer walls. I'm going to join them. Boggs is going to be back there. And we just love for an opportunity to pray over you and with you and for you. That you would be able to begin to practice a way of living that commits your brokenness into the hands of the living and loving God. Let's stand together.